0: Hello and welcome to another episode of What We're Listening To, a show where we talk about music and challenge each other to hear new things. With me today, as always, is my good friend and inventor of the phrase, one and a half pages of notes, Josh. How are you, mate?
1: (laughs) Uh, Something more than that, but I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm doing well. I have a quiz for
0: you. Oh, hit me. Um, So, we are talking a bit about War of the Worlds, spoilers, um, in our reviews today, and This is a musical version by Jeff Wayne. Now, obviously, this um, performance has toured the world um, and obviously they get different actors than the original studio ones. I want you to take a guess out of four different options as to which of these four actors played the part of the journalist in the
1: performance. Okay, so the main character.
0: Yeah, which one of these four actors? Um, Ewan McGregor, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson or Alan Rickman?
1: Oh, <laughs> I guess Alan Rickman actually. Um, I wish that would be Ugh. cool. Ugh.
0: It wasn't Alan Rickman. Do you want to take another guess? Uh, tell me, probably have a misery. Liam Neeson.
1: Liam Neeson. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? He has singing I mean, parts too, doesn't he? The the main character. I think. Uh,
0: I need to, like, it's, it's tricky working out. We, yeah, I imagine he did, but I'm not sure. It, um, you can check on the wiki. There's a whole bunch of people about uh, Okay, so I think uh, it just says spoken words in this one.
1: Oh, uh, okay. So maybe he didn't did yeah. this thing in parts. But that was the
0: 2012 and 2014 Dominion Theatre Stage. production. Oh, 2012? No, the 40th anniversary tour, sorry. Uh, 40th anniversary tour, 2016 2018. Gosh, so yeah, anyway, I think that his voice would have been very cool in those parts. <laughs> but they had on this list in the Australian anniversary tour, but well, the Australian oh, no. 30th anniversary, Shannon Knoll,
1: yes, <laughs> Shazza. And for those listeners who don't know,
0: what he was one of these winners of the Australian Idol, one of the like first ones, uh, he won in 2003. Um, I've actually been in Don't tell me uh, maybe Parramatta and like walking past and he's there singing some like kind of real Aussie outback sort of like festival thing. <sighs> like... <laughs> Sorry, I should stop teasing. Anyway. He'll come so after you. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the show. Um do you wanna? Is there any follow up? I have a couple of things, but um,
1: Uh no, I'm I'm all clear on catch up. So if you got some, go for it. You don't want to like talk about Neil Young and the fact that the oh, I forgot about one that. Actually, time we do an
0: episode about him. He goes and gets himself from you removed from Spotify.
1: <laughs> I had forgotten about that. I <clears throat> yes, uh, that was very uh, consequential. Um, the day after we finished recording an episode, all that news about Neil Young and spotify came out which is quite surprising um yeah. i don't know i'm quite uh, proud of him in some regard um, i'm i don't think he probably makes that much money off of spotify anyway so i don't think it's a huge blow to his bank um yeah the like eight cents he gets per month from spotify <laughs> so and that's from a
0: million streams or yeah a you know.
1: million plus streams. um i don't know i this him and um uh johnny mitchell. Mich- johnny mitchell yeah i was quite happy that you know some golden oldies in canada or at least have their brain still between their ears kind of thing yeah
0: yeah it's interesting it's a it's a whole thing and like i mean obviously there's politics around it but it's still pretty crazy that they paid joe a hundred million for that show and <laughs> their lo- their rates are still so impossibly low for artists so you know it's a bit weird
1: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, don't we can we can don't cut this part don't out s- if you don't want any. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not okay. <laughs> I'm not. We're not fans of Spotify overall, but that's fine. Yeah. Um. Um. I have one other
0: piece of follow up. Yeah. Yep. Have you heard of this artist called Dijon? <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really digging him right now. <laughs> so I am um, about three months delayed in my listening sometimes, and I. Yeah, I've been really enjoying listening to, um, Dijon's, absolutely. Um, I think listening to the top five of the year, our playlist, just in Mm. the kind of the month or so we had off, I was just really digging, um, just the sound of it and it's just grown on me. So yeah, that's all. I just, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like, he's really a fantastic artist. Well, at least that album is a fantastic piece of work. So yeah. if you haven't already taken Josh's advice, go and listen to it.
1: <laughs> I, since we've last talked to him, he's been on um, Jimmy Fallon, I think. Oh, um, I didn't see that. He's done a couple of live grabs, um, which have been really great. Yeah. He's, uh, he's talented, and that album's really interesting, I think.
0: Yeah, I think I really loved seeing him there's that extended version of the first. Uh, is it Big Mike? Um, yeah. The I Like How You Look one. Um, there's like an extended version. I think I talked about this. I can't remember. And it's just great seeing them all read each other in the room and listen really well and this great use of dynamics and mm. just, it just feels great. And it's great to watch them all together. It's like a very repetitive song but the changes are in the dynamics and the kind of way he's singing. So, yeah, I dig it.
1: Mm. Mm. I'm glad you're on the bandwagon.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm slow, <laughs> but I'm there. Um, all right, let's 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 move on to
1: reviews. Let's go for it. So uh, my original review got uh, completely hijacked um, by an album that came out Which I guess I should have figured was going to happen. But I've been (laughs) listening to the uh, second record um, by Black Country New Road called Ants from Up Here. Mm -hmm. Um, For those who aren't familiar, Black Country New Road are an eclectic, uh, multi-instrumentalist music group from England. Um, They released an album last year, which is their first um, which made a lot of waves for being um how, how, how to how to explain it like having a very branching and interesting style combined with uh really in depth lyrical content um mm. so it made a lot of waves um i didn't love it it was interesting, but i wouldn't listen to it a bunch i don't think um it made me curious, like many people, how the second album would come out when they started releasing tracks from it, um, saying they would come out this year in February. Mm. Um, so I've broken down my review to three things I want to talk about this record, because mm. otherwise I would talk about it for too long. Um, so number one, we're gonna talk about Isaac Wood, the lead singer and guitarist and principal songwriter of these first two records. Um so a few days before this album came out, uh, the band released a statement saying that Isaac would retire from uh, the band and would no longer be making music with them. Which people were very sad because mm. um, very much he was the voice of these two records, um, and it's kind of hard to imagine him imagine the band without him. Though they say they'll continue to make music, um, but it also slightly contextualizes this record as being maybe his last. Uh, musical artistic piece and um it makes it a little more personal i think uh like i found the first Mm. record um had a lot of uh personable images um you know very relatable to being human um but this record is much more personal i think that it reflects a lot of how the writer isaac himself is currently doing um Mm. and i think those two things combined with his statement about leaving um kind of raise the um i don't know the intimacy level with how i listened to this record i think um
0: yeah it puts a lens on the way you read everything and listen to the kind of lyrical story
1: yeah um which i found it's very interesting. I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm glad he's. Uh, he's taking care of himself over. Uh, putting out more music. Um, oh yeah, Def. That that's that's had tragic stories in the music industry before around those kind of things. So good on him for taking care of himself. Um, and then second, uh, the music. Okay, so I found myself actually enjoying the musicality of this record much more than the first one. Um. Both the uh, assembly of instruments uh, are utilized, I think, better, like the saxophones, the violins, um, the mandolins, the guitars. I think they're ensembled better in terms of making songs. Um, it feels very lived in and natural when you listen to this record. Um, and that helps kind of build some of these beautiful crescendo moments in the album, which are contrasted with these kind of more, um, uh, kind of like brought back dour, um, less glorified kind of songs, uh, midway through. It kind of it makes the contrast a little bit better. I think, um, hmm. yeah, like it's like the, the first album has all these interesting kind of like halfway switches, which make the record kind of feel kind of chaotic at a lot of places. Well, I listened to Sunglasses again, and I'd yeah. forgotten that
0: the, the back and the front half are completely different.
1: Completely different songs, yeah. um, essentially. Um, and so I think there's less of that in the second record, which I think kind of lends itself mm. to being, these longer songs are more um, cohesive in of themselves, which I think makes for a bit of a better album more consistent musically. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure which one I like better though. Mm. I re-listened to a little bit of um, their previous album just to kind of compare as well. Cause I, I listened all the way through answer up here a couple of times and I feel like I'm still digesting that. Yes. But part of me really still does love the, the kind of, crazy nature of their first record and how intense it is it like answer up here is much less intense even if it's more intense lyrically it's Mm. less intense musically Mm. but it is definitely cleaner um answer from up here and as you say i think it uses each element strong in a stronger way yeah but i still haven't
1: quite decided which is my favorite (laughs) I think it lends to me to being more of an actual album. Like the first record is kind of a collection of songs that they've made. Um, And this one is much more of an in-depth story that's woven together, I find. Mm. Um, Yeah. And then uh, third is the uh, recording and production um, I found really interesting. Um, Mm. So this record is very purposely made to feel kind of alive and uh, lived in um, analog, you might say Um, basically everything except for the vocals and one or two extra instrumentation um, is recorded as live group takes. Um, Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so like this wouldn't be exceptional 20 to 30 years ago, Um, but nowadays to release a record, which has, imperfections and kind of group dynamics on purpose to give it this sort of um genuine feel is quite standout-ish in the modern music scene um mm. yeah uh, like it I also think means
0: it, you need to know your parts really well like also if you listen that, to chaos space marine um that has so many little bits that just require you can imagine them practicing and practicing and practicing to try and mm. nail all those little flutters and and hits and all that sort of thing, and it's very impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I I, I find that like this is a technique that I will always appreciate if a band does it. Um, mm. It just can Like it's hard to describe. It just gives it much more of a feel that everything is happening at the same time which it is like it's kind of a um it's hard to quantify that when you compare it to a record that's been made piece by piece um Mm. but it really just does feel like that this may be a a tangent but
0: i found something interesting my father-in-law told me something very interesting last night when you're a string player you play a note right Mm. But you have to think about the other notes that you're going to play next, or the other notes that other people are playing with you, as to which harmonics you kind of accentuate in the yeah. yeah yeah. And so if, when you record something solo and multi-track it, you're not really thinking about the bigger context of the song, whereas when you record things as a group you are really kind of fitting your part into the bigger scheme of things and adjusting the mm. way you're playing based on that. And so, yeah, that there, there is a reason why playing as a group is going to be um, an advantage over yeah, yeah. trying to do it piecemeal.
1: And you get all these things like relative pitch and maybe some like slowdown and speed up, which I didn't notice too much of, but maybe there's like a little bit of. I didn't um, notice
0: much to kind of complain about.
1: Yeah but like it all just kind of fits really well together. And I think the recording having like that on purpose to make this kind of feel alive and ensemble, like I think it's really, Mm. I I really love it. Um, Mm. So yeah, I, I, um, listening to this record, I found to be quite an emotional experience. I, Mm. I don't know it, it like listening to, um, some of the, kind of the bigger songs um like concord or the place where he inserted the blade um Mm. kind of rise above uh like the sort of inadequacy that the lyrics are mostly about on this album and take it to a place of being like really emotional at least for me um Mm. which i quite enjoyed um and I, i i don't know i found it Quite an outstanding piece of art, and I don't think I fully digested it either. But I think it's going to stick with me for quite a while. um Yeah, it's kind it of. seems
0: like the kind of album that is going to require more than a few listens to really like plummets plummets depths. Like, yes, it. Yeah, it. It just seems like. It's good when you can write an album that is not understood in the first few listens and Mm. will take you time. Because like you say, it's like you can tell that there's something happening here. You can tell that there's a great story and you don't always know what each part means, you know, in Isaac's life and how it resonates with what's happening with him. Yeah. But you do want to find out. And that's, you told me, like, I've listened to it a bunch of times and the place where he inserted a blade, I can tell that, you know, this really is a meaningful piece of music and I want to tie it into something and I want to know a bit more about it, but I'm mm. happy to kind of wait until I get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for but sure. it's beautiful. I, I, think, I think also... I, sorry, keep going.
0: Oh, I was just going to say I agree. Concord is probably a near perfect song for me. Yeah. I think that that has been, been going through my head ever since I heard the single. And it is one of my favorites on the album. It's just such a beautifully reserved song for a seven-piece band. Mm. Like they could have gone all out and it was just so simple and then build so eloquently and it's just beautiful.
1: Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. So um, some of the fans have kind of been talking about how they kind of jokingly call this like uh, Black Country Joy Division and then like what's going to happen next, Black Country New Order. Like like who knows what the <laughs> next kind of phase of this band is. Um, yeah. but Because the I, bass
0: player is going to take over singing, right, isn't she? Yes.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And they're all very talented and maybe they'll do some interesting stuff. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next, but um, mm. I'm also very happy that this piece of music exists um and i'm going to keep yeah. on digesting it for quite a while i think yeah definitely yeah, yeah. um no it's,
0: i didn't realize they were jazz trained when i was reading up a bit on them which makes a lot of sense
1: yeah yeah the, the drummer i think especially holds this band together um sometimes very subtly and sometimes very overtly but he does a lot of work to make things run smoothly in his parts mm. i think um
0: the part where he's doing those free, like free rhythm, uh, tom fills over the top of like um, the rest of the band while they're kind of chugging along, and he's, or he he or she is just going nuts on the toms, and then they kind of like land. It it was interesting because I was like, gosh, those drums are really loud. I can barely hear the vocals. Makes sense with the whole live aspect of things. Yeah, um, it's also on purpose. But yeah, and it's they somehow. Isaac's style is so interesting too. It's that frail, warbling, like he's perfect for the part, uh, mm. for at least this iteration of the band. I think that his vocals are perfect. I love them. I see, you know, I can imagine that some people might not like them just because mm. of that certain sound. But it's, a, it's just like a, just a very good use of all these seven musicians' skills, I think, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's... Yeah answer them up here i'll probably keep on mulling that over for the rest of the year um hmm. but yeah. what have what have you been listening to asher um
0: something a bit on the opposite end of this. <laughs> um i i was introduced to um porter robinson uh just recently uh you suggested i listen to him and then someone else also ju- suggested and so Um, I just jumped on and found his latest album and gave it a whirl Mm. because you said, if you're still in the synth pop sort of, um, uh, yeah, like kind of uh, headspace, give this a shot. Yeah. And I was delighted. Um, (laughs) So this is a very Baths-esque sort of feel, Um, though um, it is a bit different. I'll go through it. Basically, this album makes me want to replay Undertale or watch Studio Ghibli films. (laughs) It has a lot of, like, anime influences and it's a very kind of pretty sound. It's very... It feels like it could be on some modern Netflix anime sort of thing. Mm. Um, It's a real delight. It It might be also that it's just, like, it's a lovely background album. Like, it kind of... It's great to work to... It's upbeat, it's beautiful and pretty and kind of glitchy and great use of synthesizers. Reminds me a little bit of that Green Parrot song that I mentioned a while back. Yeah. Um, The opening track, I I always love opening tracks. I mean, they do a good job, artists, of putting something really strong right at the beginning to kind of draw (laughs) you in. But, um, you know, the use of, like, these acoustic instruments like the piano and the melodica and, like, accordion, Alongside kind of synthy, kind of uh, percussion elements and synthesizers. It's a good tonal combo in my mind. Um, and all the way through, these songs are really dancey, but also have a lot of good melodic integrity. Like they're beautiful to listen to. And there wasn't really a song on the album which I was really let down by. It's quite mm. long, this album, but I think I enjoyed most of it. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't, didn't write my standouts. I think my standouts are, did I? uh, no, my, I really loved the opening track, but then there's the classics, like look at the sky, which is beautiful. Um, I quite liked, um, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do, which is quite clever. Um, and Unfold near the end was beautiful. But, um, I mean, it's hard to pick. There's so many really great parts of these songs. And the really interesting thing was after listening to it, I was like, oh, who's the female vocalist on this album? And I checked the credits and there was none. And I realised that it was him. So he's done this, like, pitch shift um, to duet with himself in unison or sing the female part and the software he's using is really good because I didn't pick it up at first. It just sounded like a very synthesized female vocalist. But um, you watch him live and it's him singing and they've just pitched it up as live. But the other thing that's interesting is um, I think it's on something comforting. They use that as a moment to teach the listener that he's using this because they you can hear the mouse like clicking and like swapping with the the filter oh, really? on and off. It's very clever. There's a lot of like um, <laughs> kind of background sounds. You can kind of hear someone working in the background and stuff. But I, I like that. It's an interesting little way mm. of doing things. So, yeah, anyway, this is just a beautiful album. It's not, I mean, <clears throat> lyrically there are a couple of moments of quite moving songs like Mother, um, which is a very sweet homage to like being a mum. And and like being always on your side sort of thing, which I thought was very sweet. Um, but apart from that, it's just a nice feel-good album. Not not quite as complex as Black Country New Roads, so. though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's just beautiful. <laughs> thanks, thanks for suggesting it. Uh, it was a real joy. So yeah, yeah.
1: I um I came across Porter Robinson a couple of years ago with his first record, um, which mm-hmm. was generally liked, but I think not as exceptional as this one. Mm-hmm um is that worlds yes there's a couple of songs over there which are pretty good um i didn't like, listen to anything else i'm sorry no, that's fine um but yeah i found myself going through this album and enjoying it i think i liked more of the um yeah maybe more of the the, the baths kind of alternative glitch pop ones like uh like wind tempos or dull scythe or sweet yep. time near the end those are kind of like yeah. A little less pop dance ones, a little more strange. Um mm. but very yeah, cozy is the word I would use when describing this record. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. 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 No, it definitely had a nice
0: range of elements like that. So you'd go from those glitchy sort of instrumental parts to kind of real dancey stuff. Um his live show looks very clever too, with all the like projections over all the walls. Mm. I don't know if you've seen this, but um, yeah, he did a live show during kind of the pandemic, uh, that was just streamed, and it yeah, just very well done. You know, lots of really interesting 3D projections all over the place, so yeah, it lends itself to that.
1: There you go, Porter yeah,
0: Robinson. So that's it, yeah. Uh, thanks for that. Shall we move on to homework? Yeah, let And so, as I mentioned in the quiz at the start of this, I gave Josh um, an album from the 70s called <laughs> Jeff Wayne's Musical Version of The War of the Worlds. I think that's the full title. Um, and so this is, as it sounds, um, if you don't know um, War of the Worlds, it's a science fiction novel by H.G. Wells from quite a while ago. I think it was written... Before the 1900s? I can't yeah, remember 1890s. Exactly. Yeah, 1890s. It's, yeah. It's a good book. It's been turned into movies before and TV series. But this is the musical version and it's quite an interesting little... <laughs> yeah, it's quite... Not little at all. It's quite an interesting um, rendition of this story um, and an interesting uh, musical moment. So, what did you think of this, uh, this epic? <laughs> Sorry, I realize it's almost two hours long. Yeah, but, it's, it's you know. quite. I,
1: was, I literally first looked at it as like, uh, I gave Ash for like a forty-minute album. He gives me like two hours to listen to. Um, Sorry, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, when people say they don't make music like this anymore, I usually disagree. I think I would agree with this one. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. it's such a weird blend of like audio drama, prog rock pop and then like musical on top of that um and disco and like lots of disco um <laughs> yeah so uh like you talk about war of the worlds it, it also gained a lot of um attention in the 1930s from a radio play by orson welles mm. the kind of people like running out of the streets and thinking martians were actually yeah. invading
0: um not too many though i was checking that up last night as a part of the quiz i was like do i talk about orson welles version but I think, yeah, I think a bunch of people were worried that this was a real thing because of the style of the production. Yes. But maybe not the thousands that they kind of made it out to be sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I, think the spoken parts are a little bit influenced by um, Orson Welles' version. Because um, hmm. you kind of get uh, – the, the story is about an invasion, a Martian invasion of the planet Earth and the downfall of humanity – through the eyes of one survivor. Um, And it's got quite like these elements of like horror and like, uh, like anxiety, survival, like kind of Hmm. um, witnessing what's happening. Um,
0: Post-apocalyptic sort of feel.
1: It's interesting. When I was reading about it, it um, apparently um, HG Wells wrote it as a, as kind of as part of a conversation with his brother about the invasion of Tasmania and like what was happening to the aboriginal people there and he's like what would happen yes i did see that if like martians came and did that to us like what would it feel like and he kind of wrote this book um Mm. and it's interesting because that message i think has kind of been lost in modern day where people just think oh it's like science fiction um science
0: fiction is always about the current culture (laughs) yeah very little about actually just writing about
1: space aliens and ray guns for the sake of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like lyrically, it's quite like desperate and horrific mm. in some places, and then musically, it's so different. <laughs> it's how many guitar solos did we have? How many yeah, guitar solos are in harmony with each other? <laughs> oh my goodness! Like late seventies, like rock, disco, pop. Um, yeah um keyboards guitar solos speaker boxes um hmm. like 16 on the hi-hat for the whole time through um it's got the whole bag the poor drummer. Um, oh that that drummer is doing work man um, i was watching the live version last night i could see him working really hard <laughs> yeah like doing sessions is one thing doing this whole thing as a concert would be exhausting as a drummer um i think it's cut down for the
0: the live version it looked like it was only an hour and 10 rather than an hour and 45
1: (laughs) um so you get kind of these like spoken pieces about like you know heat ray guns destroying the london bridge and everyone's terrified and then like Mm. the beat kicks in and like your head starts bopping and you're like this is so out of sequence with what's supposed to be happening (laughs) And you've got the like studio strings.
0: Yeah. <speaks> Which you just remind you tell the listeners what the main thing sounds like to you.
1: It just tweaked when we were setting, setting up for recording that it reminded me of uh the Iron Maiden song Run to the Hills. It's the same kind of line, like bah, bah, bah. Like that kind of motif is like all mm. over the place. It's not exactly it's the same. Feel. Um, but it's so funny. And so you got these like these like scenes of like people being limited by ray guns and there's like disco happening and it's mm. such a funny picture in some parts um and i think uh, it's
0: completely innocent i think it's just like yeah. the sound of the time and it's his idea of drama and like you know it's all still in minor keys it's not like it's happy bg stuff but it it just kind of uh comes across as a bit of a juxtaposition yeah
1: it's just kind of wild i love it and then you have like yeah. they make like laser noises with the instruments or
0: mm. uh, so every yeah. so often you'll hear this
1: like giant, like noise. And you're like, the first time you're like, what the hell is that supposed to be? You're like, Oh, it's like these giant heat lasers destroying people. <laughs> like, yeah. um,
0: Hey, you know, they had these new fangled synthesizers. They, they wanted to use them for everything. Yeah. But I mean, it does make sense in that sometimes how are you going to make those sounds? if, not with synthesizers. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. So I listened to this on 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 record actually. So I don't actually know the names of the songs. I just kind of know sides do you have on vinyl too. Uh, no, but I've, I found a YouTube video where it's like the guy like plays oh. it on vinyl. Uh, so you flip right, sides.
0: Gotcha. Um, That's fine. A big overview is it's too big to kind of dissect sometimes.
1: Yeah. So like side one is like the aliens landing. Side two is like trying to escape from uh England and uh the the sinking of the thunder child and then mm-hmm. um <laughs> what did you say that name sounded like a, it's again a, it's a terrible name for a boat I don't I don't know what it, it's the HMS thunder child okay HG Wells oh, it had
0: you guns get, on it I don't know
1: you get do better than that and then side three is like the bit with the parson and his wife and then side four is like the him coming out and the aliens dying um yeah and um, also
0: there's the new world kind of idea of building underground and stuff.
1: Yeah, that song is so Yeah, that part of yeah. the
0: it's not great.
1: Yeah, it, it flags sec- a little bit at the end to be honest. I I I think yeah. about the book as well. I think this the the uh solution to the LA problem in the book is also kind of lazy where um, the Martians catch bacteria and die on their own. And you're like, oh, okay.
0: I think that's brilliant though. I really like that as a concept. And I remember, remember when I was the kind of learning about this when I was younger and I went, it was the first time I like the perspective was flipped well for me. And I think that's also a bit to do, like that might be, although it's the wrong person, you know how like in like, in South America, right, when um, South America was first invaded, the invaders had all these diseases that weren't affecting them and then the Native Americans, you know, caught these different diseases and died. The same here in Australia. And so I think it was an interesting like, oh, the aliens just didn't have any of the immunities that the Earth people did. So yeah. anyway, it's just... I'm- like it was it's an, an interesting, interesting concept.
1: It's an interesting concept. I feel like as a as a literary device, it's very anticlimactic. <laughs> right. He just like comes yeah, out of a house enough. one day and they're just all dead. You're like, oh, it's over. You're like, okay. Well, <laughs> I
0: think that might be the English way of sci-fi, where it wasn't always a big fight at the end. Um, yeah. If you've ever read any. Um, John Wyndham, uh, I'm a big fan of John Wyndham. He writes really slow sci-fi and I think <laughs> that was a bit of the way at the time, which I appreciate because I just do. But um yeah, it was a style at the time I think.
1: Um what else? Do, uh yeah. yeah, the the vocal performances are pretty good. Um one that especially stood out to me was the uh, casting of uh, Phil Lynott as the yeah. uh, the preacher, the parson, who you may know is the lead singer and bass player of Thin Lizzy, um, which is kind of funny. Like it's just kind of the like rock and roll people getting involved in musicals again. Kind of like um, yeah, like um, Snark, s- Hunting Hunting Snark, Snark, Snark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I love Phil Lynott's voice. Uh, he does a really good job, I think, in those songs. Mm.
0: But yeah, I, I must confess, I only knew of Thin Lizzy from references in like once, and I've not really <laughs> listened to
1: them. We only play Lizzy songs. <laughs> um, yeah, so I—I I don't know. Very unique. Certainly, have not come across a concept album with all these things put together. Um, it's yeah, it's quite it's quite a ride listening to this album. I'll say that. Yeah, it is
0: But thanks for listening through It's like, yeah, it is massive But it it does have some good things to offer And the fact that there's also beautiful melodies hidden in there too Like Forever Autumn is a beautiful song As well as like the melodies in The Eve of the War You know, like It's very catchy And the trouble was that some of these songs weren't ready for radio And they were wanting to be played on radio And so they had to do these like cut versions to just fit them on because they're like like 17 minutes minutes. long.
1: Yeah. It's just narration in the middle of it.
0: Where does it end? Where can we uh, fade in or fade out or something like that? So yeah. Good on Jeff Wayne for just writing good music and not really kind of trying to make it ready for radio straight away. But yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, So I have given Asher... I don't know why I particularly wanted to give this to you. I think it was just kind of nice, um, uh, an album uh, called the uh, Better Oblivion Community Center, um, which is a collaboration. I couldn't remember this name every time I was trying to search for it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a collaboration album between uh, Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst, and Phoebe Bridgers. This is actually the first time that I heard her um, before her first album came out. And uh, they put this record together trying to make songs that they normally wouldn't make, I think, is the kind of the oeuvre behind it. Um, mm-hmm. Not to do, like, outlandish things, but just maybe push themselves a little bit. And I think they produced quite an interesting um, record, at least for my money. Um, what did you think mm. about the Blitter Oblivion Community Center, Asher?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting for me having, like, I know Bright Eye's stuff a bit, and then you introduced me to Phoebe Bridges, and now I'm kind of going back to hear the in-between. Mm. Um, and it's a little interesting to kind of compare the two, because I feel like I feel like I really like the softer songs on this album, when I can hear both of them singing, but in harmony, rather than some of the songs where it sounds like kind of like a rock song, like an alt rock song, with both of them singing in unison, and it didn't really feel like it had as much character as some of the songs. Like the very first track, which is my favorite, didn't know what I was in for. That is a gorgeous song. Mm. Um, it was a great start, and and songs like um, Chesapeake as well also had that same feel of a bit quieter, a bit more reserved, and I think that's that's kind of like. Phoebe Bridges has that element sometimes in her songs of the quieter, more vulnerable sounding voice. And then Connor has that same thing with Bright Eyes when he's got quieter folk songs. And then together, like you say, they wrote these more rocky songs, which they sung on top of. Uh, well, that sounds a bit piecemeal, but you know, they <coughs> kind of create these songs which are a bit different than what they usually do. And I don't think I like them as much huh. as I did the like. So my three favorites were Didn't Know What I Was In For? Chesapeake and Exception to the Rule. Exception to the Rule is funny because it's an Exception to the Rule. It has that like synthy sort of driving bass line and, and I kind of dig that different thing because I hadn't heard Phoebe Bridges do that kind of stuff before. Yeah. Although I haven't listened as deeply as you have. Um, uh, the Yeah, so it's not saying I didn't enjoy the other ones. I just preferred the softer ones and maybe because... Like recently some of the stuff that Phoebe has been doing, um, like her covers, so she did that Bo Burnham's cover, um, Funny Feeling or something, and then she did the um the one about Christmas by Mmm, forgotten. Tom Waits yeah, 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 Which I thought was also very beautiful And so I guess I was I really enjoyed those quieter those songs And so I was like Going for those quieter songs on this album Interesting However Big picture It's a cool concept
1: mm.
0: And it's really There's some great lyrics in it um, And I gather they wrote the lyrics together It wasn't kind of a delegating Who knows It's hard to know But they're good They're really interesting Um I feel like I didn't quite get this album as an album concept. Maybe there wasn't really like a, a story to this and it was more of an experiment to write together different songs. Um, but that might be just time I need to spend in it. Uh, some of the parts reminded me a little bit of For Emma, like For Emma Forever Ago kind of thing, huh. um, like the opening song did, just like some of the ringing guitar strings and the feel of it, the, the woody kind of sounding drums like the rattly snare and that sort of thing um,
1: I get that
0: yeah but I think it's not I don't think it's as special as their individual projects personally. Interesting. that's Interesting. just me
1: I'm, I'm I surp- liked it I'm surprised you're in such a mood for sad cowboy songs with the <laughs> the quieter ones here and going back to Dijon as well that's a well you know um,
0: I can change <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I'll probably let, you know in three months time I'll be like, hey, this album is amazing. <laughs> oh, my- you should listen to like oh, all goodness. the really rocky songs.
1: Um <laughs>
0: don't take don't take my word for it, now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So I um I don't know this is happening. When I gave you this record, about half a week later, um Connor uh released a project that he's working on, which is that he is re-recording the first three Bright Eyes albums. Um oh. and on some of them he has enlisted the help of Phoebe to redo some of the songs. Um <laughs> so kind of <laughs> characteristically cool. like the his the earlier Bridges albums are like um a little more manic, a little less produced, and a little rough around the edges. I, I would agree with him on that. And to some people that's the appeal. Um, but I think he yeah. wants to kind of redo them and make them sound better, which is interesting. Um And so it's kind of funny. Is that
0: that, I'm Wide Awake It's Morning? Is that one of the first three?
1: I think that's the fourth record.
0: Okay. Because I I mean, you gave me that one and I can tell the like roughness, but it doesn't sound like it needs to be redone personally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that one. Um, So anyway, so it's kind of funny that like, Mm. I don't know, the next evolution of this team up project is them now working on... Old Bright Eyes songs together. Um, yeah. they've, even, they've released one, um, which I'll talk about in the honorable mentions. But it's just kind of like it's interesting to see like a musical partnership kind of form and people kind of flourish on their own but still enjoy working together. I kind of like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Hopefully, that's like the way they it don't is. they don't need to always be uh, a team, but they make a really good one.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just like Simon mm. and Garfunkel. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was always a team. Arnold <laughs> uh, mentions? Yeah, yeah, then let's do it. Let's
0: go. Right.
1: <laughs> Originally, my review was going to be about the new Pine Grove album, um, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, it's a little um, more um, downplayed than their usual records, but I think it... Kind of has this still kind of beautiful um, melody harmony uh that is characteristic of their music, and um this one I think was written during uh, the pandemic, and so it's kind of more about those kind of anxieties and stresses um hmm. which is quite therapeutic to listen to uh yeah, I, I think it's a, a beautiful record, and I'll probably give it some more time when I have more space in my schedule, but it's quite, it was quite nice to listen to at the time. Um, hmm. uh, second, I'm listening to the, the redone uh, bright eyes song. I think it's called high a Lie a liar. I think it's the name of it. It's uh, it's off of their uh, second album and it's, this is the one he did with Phoebe. Um, hmm. It's a, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a very interesting and, like the concept of like remaking your own old music, I think is a interesting one. Like, what do you do with it? Like, do you just like, you know, synths and plugins or do you just kind of like do it again, but like better. And I think it's kind of like a middle ground that he's walking with. Like he's adding some instrumentation, but he's not going overboard. Um, mm. So I'll, I'll be used to see how that project goes. Um, Isn't
0: Taylor Swift re-recording her stuff? To like free it from the clutches of some record company, I believe so. Yes, um, is she I, doing the same kind of thing? Like is she, I don't know. I mean, not that either one of us pay yes, close attention. I
1: definitely with. keep tabs on Taylor Swift. After.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you did last year when they were involved uh, in
1: the national. She was involved in the national, but no. uh, um, and then anyway, sorry, side note. Third, um, is the latest single from rapper Denzel Curry. Um, mm-hmm. who uh, consistently uh, is one of my favorite performing guys in the scene. Um, he did uh, a project with Kenny Beats like two years ago called Unlocked, mm-hmm. which is really great. And then he has an album coming out this year. This, I don't know, this single is like, uh, it's a switch up from his regular style. It's less aggressive, um, a little more nineties, a little more introspective. I think it just, works really well together and it's good to see uh him grow as a lyricist and a musician um mm. so I, i've been really enjoying that and then lastly because of his mention in the war of the worlds i've been listening to some thin lizzie um they have a <laughs> nice. couple of really great albums uh particularly i love the song uh jailbreak or the cowboy song i just like um uh, F- Phil Linert is one of my bass playing heroes I think his bass parts are really interesting and he has like this kind of uh, he uses a pick it's just a really aggressive style like he's always a little bit ahead of where the band is going so you can kind of tell that he's the one that is kind of driving everything um, it, it works well together and he's kind of a larger than life yeah. character this this big boy um, so I've been loving some Thin Lizzy these last couple of days nice how about you, sir? What are your mentions? Uh,
0: I just have two. Um, but the first one, um, so there was a bit of drama the past few weeks. Drama? Um, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, mm. So Godspeed You, Black Emperor, have an infamous first album, uh, which has an interesting title. I will call it ALF for the moment. <laughs> um, and it... Never Has never been discovered. I think there were 33 tapes made back in the late 90s and nobody had a copy um, that at least they were willing to put online anywhere. And the band had been a bit ambivalent. They're like, "Eh, it's early stuff, whatever, don't worry about it. If it does surface, I'd be interested. For some reason, Ephraim Manuel Manouk didn't seem to have a copy, but whatever. Um, Then... (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, it arrived online in full and the Godspeed You community went a little bit nuts, to be mm. honest. Mm. Um, I think doing a bit of reading last night, from what I can gather, I think that it was leaked by someone in the community when they shouldn't have leaked it or something like this. And I'm a part of the Discord and the Discord was a bit <laughs> grumpy about it and <laughs> said... We're not allowing anyone to share the album or talk about the album, which then attracted the attention of some parts of the internet that love to troll people. And, you know, basically they had to shut down the Discord server for a while. So anyway, people were chatting (laughs) about it elsewhere. It became a bit of a big kerfuffle. I've had a listen to it. It's just on YouTube and actually got put up on Spotify under someone else's name, which is weird. Um, The thing is, I mean... I think the reason they weren't happy is that the band didn't really want it up online. That's their revised position on it, something like this. It's it's just a first album. It's very scrappy. It's not particularly beautiful. I don't really love most of the tracks. <laughs> it's just it's just like it's a really like demo home-dubbed cassette kind of thing. Um it has like elements of stuff on it, but it's nowhere near, you know, F sharp A sharp Infinity, their first official release. Yeah. So it's just a bit funny that it caused such a division in the community. Yeah. Well, it's Not funny. I think people got really upset. I, it I found it sad. funny. <laughs> I started just with no bad. skin in the game. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really have skin in the game either, which is why I've just listened to it on YouTube and thought, <laughs> okay, cool, whatever. It's got an obscene amount of tracks. They're all really short, which is ungod speed you like. Um, but it was just. I don't know. It's just interesting watching the internet react in different ways. I yeah. mean people who are invested um take it take it pretty seriously sometimes. Like, the only but, experience
1: yeah. I have with like a musical leak of a band that I care about would be like something like Radiohead, where yeah. the community goes, Oh no, that's terrible. Let's all listen to it and talk about how great <laughs> it is and like just kind of feverishly go through it no matter what. It was just kind of funny to yeah. see a this community have like, no, we're not going to listen well i think half
0: of the community was the the former you know they're like oh cool it's like oh that's not really nice but let's all listen and chat about it and yeah. then the other half of the community which i think has like some constellation records people involved in it were like no so uh, anyway
1: okay.
0: yeah so i think that's possibly why but <laughs> it's all hearsay um i'll chuck a little there's a really interesting breakdown of like why it's real and why it's fake you know because some people like (sighs) I don't know what I don't need to go into the story of what happened like eight years ago on reddit when some dude actually had a tape and (laughs) almost uploaded it but didn't and blah 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 blah. so it's just funny it's kind of fun because it's like it's modern day myths you know like these elusive things and just people Like, like that kind of stuff
1: like the idea of like scarcity when it's a easily uploadable thing um. Yeah. There's, there's actually a Wu Tang Clan album that's just kind of like this, where they made one copy yes. of on it and sold it, and one guy bought it and refused to show it to anybody. Um, well, apparently he's in jail, and the U.S. government has confiscated it. Yeah, which is all, almost funnier in some ways. Um, I listened. I actually just listened to
0: the Bill Wirtz interview with the H Three podcast recently, and yeah. they mentioned that album.
1: Good old anyway. Martin Shkreli. Anyway, uh, what's your other honorable mention, sir? So, um, about
0: a month ago, I stumbled on a random movie trailer, and I'm not a big movie buff, but this trailer was interesting. It's for a movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, um, and it's kind of like it looks to be like some sort of multiverse sci-fi, like uh, martial arts movie. Yeah. And the only reason I was interested was it was kind of a zany sort of twist on it, like it's an A24 film, which means it's gonna be artsy and all that sort of thing. Yes. Um, but it seems like it's pushing the boundaries. And the lead lady is the mum from Crazy Rich Asians. And I kind of <laughs> like that for an action martial arts movie they picked her. And I'm like, great, this is really interesting. But uh. then <laughs> the thing that is the icing on the cake is that Sun Lux are doing the soundtrack. I am 3,000% more interested now. <laughs> I, anyway,
1: they, I, f- I feel like I should let you know that Michelle Yeoh, who is the lead actress in that movie, hmm. is a, a very well-established martial artist. <laughs> is she? I'm yeah, so yeah.
0: sorry. I don't know anything about her.
1: She's in, like, Crash and Tiger, mean, Hidden Dragon. She's, like, a contemporary oh. of, like, Jackie Chan and Donnie Yen and all these guys. She's, like, up there with all the stuff. Wow. stunt legends. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That's, <laughs> that's cool. So I've s- I don't know. If she was I've a Mr. Crouching Mr. Tiger.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw Crouching Tiger a long time ago, but I didn't obviously recognise her name because <laughs> I would have approached that differently. But that's awesome. That's very funny. Anyway, um so Sunlux are doing the like soundtrack and there's a teaser on Instagram and it's just amazing. You can hear like Ian Chang's drum work and it's just it's gonna be great. Well, I think it's gonna be great. If yeah. it's not, that's okay. But um Ryan Lott's very excited about it. they're all really excited. So Yeah.
1: It looks like anyway. an interesting movie and an interesting soundtrack, I am for sure. Yeah, yeah. It it I like it
0: when they just kind of Try something a little bit different. I like all the googly eyes. It kind of makes fun of the genre, whilst also doing something really interesting. So check yes. it out if you. I'll put the link of the trailer and uh, their post in there.
1: Well, thanks for listening to episode 42 of What We're Listening To. Uh, please feel free to hit us up on the social media. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Um, and if you're feeling generous, leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. It helps us kind of. Uh, bump up with ratings and be in the hands Of more people so we can share more music With more people it's kind of what we love to do um, mm-hmm. Either way Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time Asher.
0: See you man See Bye. you buddy